0: You know, and and people who have done yoga in the West for the last, you know, 20, 30 years, 40, 50 years for some people, you know, everybody's obsessed with standing on their heads. It's always such an achievement to stand on your head. But what that is doing, it is it's changing your perspective. It is putting your heart above your brain. And that is what is being asked of us now in a fully embodied state. Can you put your heart your your electromagnetic field of interconnectivity and oneness with everything above the brain or the lower mind?
1: Ooh, yeah. Ooh. Namonarayan, and welcome to Life, the Consciousness and Connection Podcast. We are coming to you from the beautiful Ishtadev Niwas Ashram in the Purcell Mountains of British Columbia, Canada, within the unceded territory of the Tanaha Nation. In this podcast, we will be offering you discussions and down-to-earth practical tools to inspire you to live and embody your fullest potential. And now, allow me to introduce your host and guide, Sanyasi Shivani. Here at Niwas, she is the spiritual director and head teacher. She is an accomplished artist, writer, inspirational speaker, and karma sannyasin. She guides through foundations of love, service, and connection to Gaia. She has traveled the world speaking and teaching techniques and esoteric anatomy that can be used in daily life. If you are seeking to bring greater meaning to your life and the world around you, elevate your consciousness, and build connection, this podcast is for you. Hello, and Namonarayan. Ryan. I am Chaitanya, a longtime student here at Ishtadev Niwas Ashram. Welcome to the first episode of our first season, and get ready to have your mind blown. If you are seeking understanding of how consciousness works, dive deep with us in this episode. From dictionary definitions to Sanskrit wisdom, Sannyasi Shivani offers clear knowledge of how human consciousness is starting to make a shift to where we have the opportunity and the support to live in a fully embodied state of interconnectivity and oneness with all, a state where the heart can lead the way. We are fortunate to have teachers and the ancient light bearers to guide us in this pivotal moment of human consciousness, of the shift from me to we, our natural evolution.
0: everybody, this is Senyasi Shivani, and today I'm going to talk to you about consciousness. Consciousness, I think, is a really beautiful topic because it's like wave versus particles um, in quantum physics. Everything is a wave until you put focus on it and then you perceive it as a particle. Uh, And that's very much what consciousness is. Consciousness or Brahman is the universal consciousness that pervades everything. But when you put your particular focus on it, it gets filtered through what we would call the jivatma or the individual soul. And therefore you're only seeing the aspect of consciousness that you're capable of seeing at that time. So today I'm going to express my love of consciousness and what I feel about it and that from my perspective, because that's the only perspective I have. Uh, So what is consciousness? Consciousness, uh, when you look it up in the dictionary, it's, uh, really, it's really beautiful. It says the state of being awake and aware of one's surroundings. Now, of course, the state of being awake and aware of one's surroundings. Now, if you're taking into consideration your surroundings, that means you're in a sensorial experience. You're using your senses, your hearing, your sight, your touch, your smell, right? Uh, taste to understand what your surroundings are doing. And so it's not an inaccurate expression of consciousness. It's the state of being awake and aware of one's surroundings, but it's from the level of the human experience because it is based in the senses. Okay. The next definition of consciousness is the awareness or perception of something by a person the awareness or perception of something by a person. Now, this is really beautiful because of course it uses the word aware. So aware is being used in both of them. You can be aware of things on the sensorial level of experience, but here you've got the awareness or perception. And to perceive is actually more of a fifth dimensional experience than a third dimensional experience. So imagine like if, Awareness is connected to a third dimensional experience. Perception is connected to a fifth dimensional experience. But what you're doing in both of them is you are working or you're starting to wake up the muscle of Sakshi or being the witness. Okay, so the awareness or perception of something by a person. So by a person means that your perception, your orientation I should say, is not sensorial like the first one. It is of the jivatma or the individual soul, right? Is the person, the individual soul, the awareness or perception of something by a person, right? Which is the individual, which is the jivatma. Then the third one is the fact of awareness. So again, we have the same word being used the fact of awareness by the mind of itself and the world so it's no longer limiting its expression of consciousness to sensorial or to the individual but now is taking on the awareness of witnessing the mind of itself who is witnessing the mind of itself and the world okay and this would be uh considered you know the the the, the atma right where you're having the witnessing of the witnessing of the witnessing of consciousness, of layers and layers of consciousness, layers and layers of awareness. So there's a quote that has been my favorite quote for um, probably 20, almost 20 years um, I think maybe sort of like 18 years. It's been my favorite quote. Now, I was told that it was part of the Ramacharitamanas because it's a discussion between Hanuman and Ram. Now, I understand that a lot of these Sanskrit words, Ram, Hanuman, blah, 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 blah they're not actually important or necessary for you to understand consciousness. But what they do is they create a thread of light through the frequency of the language of Sanskrit to directly to the soul of recognition and remembrance. And this is a a part that we'll probably get to a little bit later in this podcast, where we're talking uh, about resonance. We're talking about consciousness and evolution as a point of resonance. But work with me. We're going to get there. So anyway, there is this quote from between Hanuman and Ram, okay, where... Hanuman says to Ram, Ram being the Supreme Consciousness, Hanuman being uh, a devotee or a Bhakta of Ram. He says, in Sanskrit, it says, mm-hmm. Deha drishya tu daso ham, jiva drishya twa dan shakaha, vastu tastu twame." mita me nishchita matihi. Now what that means is, O oh Lord, when I identify myself with my body, I am thy servant. When I consider myself as an individual soul, I am thy part or part of, of, of you. When I look upon myself as the spirit or atma, I am one with thee thyself. Now, this actually has been found um, not in the Ramacharitamanas, but in the uh, Shukti Sudha Kar by Gita Press. Um, and it's the Hanuman Shukti. Sukti. So this quote in its essence really shows me the breadth of the human potential the human experience right that you are capable of that i am capable of to me these three sentences are a road map for consciousness okay so when i identify with myself with my body i am thy servant now this this understanding of consciousness comes from two different philosophies okay one is a uh, dvaita philosophy okay these are aspects of vedanta if you're wondering okay and Av- advaita sorry my i get my tongue tied a little bit sometimes so dvaita and advaita and what that means uh, is the right relationship of the human experience when you are identified with the body with you are identified with your human physicality sensorial physicality is to take on the attitude of being in service to the divine right when i identify myself with my body i am thy servant And so Dvaita philosophy is actually the belief that the world is real and that God, the creator of this world, is also real. There's a natural difference between the ordinary ignorant soul who experiences sorrow in this world and the God who knows all and is omnipotent. So It is saying that when the identification of your human experience is that this earth, this human experience is real and that God, the creator is also real, but is separate from you. Right. Very uh, Christian. And it's in its orientation, you know, Jesus is outside of you. Jesus is God is outside of you. The Father, Son, the Holy Ghost is outside of you, right? That uh, God is not capable of experiencing emotions and sorrow and pain and because it's born out of ignorance and God is not ignorance and yada, 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 yada. But when we have this orientation of Dvaita, where the world is real but God is separate, but God has created the world, it's okay to have that orientation. It's okay. It's part of the human experience. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with any of the experiences because your soul has asked to have an experience. That's it. That's what this whole shebang is about, is experiencing this moment and this moment and this moment and learning how the frequency of your mind, the identification and experience of emotions actually creates a reality of this moment. And then how do you respond to that moment is either from a place that has transcended the idea that this world is real or it's identified with it and therefore creates more pattern of the same. So Dvaita is what is the essence of this first part of the quote. Oh Lord, when I identify with myself, my body, I am thy servant. So that is saying that the right relationship of consciousness, when identified, is to put yourself in a place of being in service to the divine. Okay. Then the next, the next uh, sentence is when I consider myself as an individual soul, I am Thy part, which is considered uh, Vishishta. Advaita. So it's like a, it's an intermediary step of, I'm not identified with my body, but I am connected to my soul, but as an individual soul, as a jeev Atma. And this jiv Atma is aware uh, that there is is able to witness the sensorial experience when you're identified with the senses you're not able to witness the sensorial experience experience that that's why you create more and more patterns connected to uh at the identified reality of the world being real but when you're able to step back and become the witness of those sensorial experiences, and of course, this is, this is really breaking down the practices of Pratyahara in yoga, right? This is what the stage of Pratyahara is. It's being able to step back in your awareness, in your consciousness, and witness the senses. That's the first stage that takes you out of Dvaita, philosophy of the world is real and God is separate, And it takes you into Vasishta Advaita, which is, I am an individual soul having a human experience. And so you witness the human experience from this individual soul perspective. And again, that's a valid expression of the human condition. The experience of that is liberating if you have spent Years identified with your sensorial experiences to have the muscle to become the witness to those sensorial patterns and impulses we have that create actions that then create reactions that then create more reactions, right? That then we call a reality when you can step back and you can witness that those sensorial experiences, then you have taken on the orientation of the jivatma, of the individual soul. And that's where this part of the quote of, when I consider myself as an individual soul, I am thy part. So you no longer feel separate from God. You feel as though you are a part of God. And this is a stage of development. It is, none of it is the end game. None of it is, oh, well, I'm here now. I need to get to the next stage. No, this moment is all there is. An an accurate acknowledgement of this moment and which identification, which orientation you are functioning from is the magic. Because as soon as you have the awareness of what you're functioning from, you then have a choice to decide whether or not you change the orientation, change the pattern, change the experience, change your reality. You are completely empowered. And when you study consciousness, you realize that you are completely empowered to embody the reality of your dreams. And this is really what this these years, you know... Um, 2022 and onward are really giving us an opportunity that I believe, I feel that we really haven't had as a human species in very, 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 very long time. And that is to take a leap of evolution without leaving our bodies. Taking a leap in evolution, taking a leap in consciousness while still being in body. Not having to leave the body and then reincarnate into a different frequency makeup, a a different frequency foundation. We actually have an opportunity right now, right now. And if you're listening to this, then you have this opportunity right now as a soul to have this leap in consciousness without leaving your body. And literally, that's magic. That's literally grace embodied to be able to do that in this lifetime. It's like so exciting, but that does not mean it will necessarily be easy. And That's why connection and Sangha and community is so so important, but I'm going to get to that in a minute What I want to finish is breaking this uh, quote down for you so that we understand the three stages of consciousness That we are able to experience within the human experience within this Relationship of this of this human relationship on Gaia within Gaia right so When I consider myself as an individual soul or jivatma, I am thy part, right? Which is vashischa advaita. But when I look upon myself as the spirit, atma, right? Not jivatma, which is individual soul, but atma, which is consciousness. I am one with thee, thyself. So this is... Uh, beyond the, the definition of consciousness of the fact of awareness of the mind and itself in the world. That would be not quite at this level. But, of course, a a, a dictionary, an English dictionary, the, the English language itself is very limiting to its expression of consciousness because it, the fundamental blocks of the human, of, of the English language is... Um, objectification, objectification, and of solidity, and of identification with the third dimension. So this is why languages like Sanskrit are so important, even if you don't understand them, even if you don't become a scholar, goodness gracious knows I am not a scholar of Sanskrit. But I do know that the practice of chanting mantra in Sanskrit is a It is a frequency change. It is a shift of consciousness just by chanting. You don't have to know what it means. You don't even have to have it perfect. I know some people would say you have to have it perfect. But that is why we have grace, people. Because if everything had to be perfect all the time, nobody would would try. Nobody would do anything. So I do not think that mantra needs to be perfect. I do think that you need to... Uh, show up and chant so but it's the fastest um shift in consciousness mantra and kirtan because the frequency of the language of sanskrit is actually the frequency of atma of consciousness and therefore it's uh breadth of of frequency is much 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 greater than the english language okay so uh Advaita. What is advi- um, Advaita? Advaita propounds that the world is an illusion. All actions and emotions, including sorrow, are just false impressions. Fundamentally, the soul and God, right? The Jivatma, the individual soul and God are one. And when the soul releases itself from the illusion, doesn't mean it has to leave its body. It just releases the belief, the identification from this illusion, it merges with Brahman or the universal consciousness. So this is the foundation for the part of the quote that says, "When I look upon myself as the spirit, as Atma, I am with, I am one with Thee." So in this one quote of Hanuman speaking to Ram, Ram saying, "Who are you, a monkey or a man?" and he says. When I identify with my body, I serve you. When I identify with my soul, I am part of thee. When I identify with my true nature, you and I are one. And so these are the three different orientations to consciousness that we have the ability right now to create realities from. Now, there is a journey, there is a path that we have to take because you can't jump from being identified with the sensorial experience, being at the whim of the ego, the individual soul, to believing that you are one with God. Because often there's you know a huge trap in there of um, basically embodying a demigod right? Feeling like they have power over. They are powerful because they have power over. When you sit in the presence of an enlightened master, when you sit in the presence of somebody who is sitting embodied in the frequency of Advaita, of merged with the divine, there is no power over. There is just love. That's all you feel. That's all you can think about. There is no frequency in your mind. And the person sitting at the foot of a master, there is no disturbance. There is just love. And to me, having been so fortunate to sit in the presence of multiple masters of different lineages, I'm not uh, saying that one lineage is the only way. There's definitely not just one lineage, there's many, many different paths, uh, but there is one truth. And in my experience in this lifetime, I've had the the fortune, um, the blessings to sit in the presence of multiple masters of different lineages. And there is that one thread of truth. And that truth is love, is all there is. And what we, the frequency of love, is not what we identify as love in the human attachment. I love you, but I don't love you. You can't, when you, when you embody love, you can't choose who you love because it's not the direction of your emotions, which is a sensorial uh, experience is not directed at something. It is an embodiment of, of what is inside of you. It is, does not discriminate it is unconditional so when you actually experience love that is what in the west we would call unconditional love and that is very different to what the lower mind or the identified with the human uh, sensorial egoic experience would call love because it's love on terms It's love for now. It's love directed. That is not love. It may give you a glimpse of something to move towards. But once you have been in the presence of an embodiment of unconditional love, you actually, it's very, you know, red pill, blue pill in the matrix. You can't go back once you have experienced it. Once you have experienced moving out of the sensorial identification of Dvaita, into the Jivatma, atma it's very hard to go back you do slip back and forth for a while but it becomes more and more uncomfortable this is what we in the west would call waking up but what we call waking up in the west is only stage one people it's only stage one it is not the whole gamut and people get to that stage one, and it has such a liberation and you suddenly realize how confined and constrained you were to a reality based on your sensorial um experiences and based on the ego creating the reality that you don't uh you you feel liberated, so you feel like that that's it, but that's just stage one, right then we need to walk over the bridge from the third dimension to the fifth dimension. And I'm going to use the words densities. And that bridge goes over the river of the fourth dimension, which is the astral plane. That is the plane that has um, black magic, demigods, um, power over uh, addiction, addiction, um, uh, entities, fragments of, of souls um, that are disincarnate. This is the fourth dimensional realm. This is where you see people embodied in the world where they seem to have a lot of power, often associated with a lot of wealth, but their intentions are not true. They're not altruistic. They are very ego-orientated. That is a fourth dimensional reality. And that's why the siddhis in the path of yoga are something to that you will experience, but you don't want to identify with, you don't want to use, and you don't want to because it gets you in this loop of the fourth dimension. We've got to be able to shift the ego out of my will to thy will. That shift of, is a shift of consciousness. Then we can move over the bridge of surrender because once you have right relationship with the divine once you have right relationship with thyself then you understand that any surrender is to thyself thyself not myself and that that has to be an embodied change which is a journey sometimes it takes lifetimes for people myself included right so Once we have reorientated from my will to thy will, then we can walk over the bridge of surrender, which is the bridge that goes over that astral plane, that fourth density, fourth dimension, which can, it's a slippery slope. It's people get very, very locked into a tornado of um, incredible destruction there. That will move us over into the fifth dimensional density, where we can sit in service, where our life becomes an expression of service to the divine, in service of Gaia, being that we are here on earth. If we are living on earth, then we are part of earth. Therefore, our lives need to be an expression of in service of Gaia. And this orientation takes the earth out of a third dimensional rock with water and volcanoes, and earthquakes, and resources, and oil, and blah, 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 and brings uh, our relationship to earth as a divine being. That Gaia is a divine being that has a manifested expression. And living within that divine being is because we are having a human experience. So when we can shift what we want to do, what we prioritize, what our actions become to being in orientation to thy will, to service of the divine, to in service of Gaia. Then we start coming into an expression of consciousness called Atma Bhav means the attitude of oneness, sabek, that we are all one. That we are all one. There is no other. Now, when you're identified with your senses and you're in the body and you've got, you know, conflict and this person is the bad person and this person is the good person, that you know that you are sitting in that third dimensional identification of dualism. Advaita philosophy takes you out of dualism because your innate self is not a dualistic being. But being within a third dimensional matrix, we have imposed ourselves into the frequencies of dualism and we have to work with them, but we don't have to create a reality of them. So this is how we're all connected is when we understand the thread of light of consciousness is that there is no other. Then we understand that the journey we're on right now is we, is me into we. We literally have to turn our world upside down. The values of our world of consumerism and capitalism and power over and conflict and that we literally have to turn our world upside down. We have to be willing to be the micro change in the macro world. You know, and and people who have done yoga in the West for the last, you know, 20, 30 years, 40, 50 years for some people, you know, everybody's obsessed with standing on their heads. It's always such an achievement to stand on your head. But what that is doing, it is it's changing your perspective. It is putting your heart above your brain. And that is what is being asked of us now in a fully embodied state. Can you put your heart, your, your electromagnetic field of interconnectivity and oneness with everything above the brain or the lower mind? It's a shift of the manamaya kosha, which is from manipura to Anaha chakra, from the lower mind to the higher mind. From the identification of ahamkara or individual ego to buddhi. Higher mind. We are literally being asked to to stand on our heads. We're literally being asked to change from me into we. And we can only do that. If we are willing to make those real connections, those real connections with everybody that there is no other no other. And when you can sit with somebody that you feel is an other and acknowledge that there is no other and feel the emotion that comes up inside of you, the grief, the anger, the the, the, the victim mentality. Because in the dualistic world, you have to have a perpetrator to have a victim. You have to have a victim to have a perpetrator. If you are not a victim, then there is no perpetrator. And you have that choice. In that reality of Dvaita, you don't have a choice. You don't feel like you have a choice, but you actually do. But it takes a shift of consciousness. And identifying with the victim perpetrator, the caretaker, um, uh, codependent, the the aloof, the aggressor, identifying with those dualistic realities, archetypes, there's nothing wrong with it. That is what you're here to experience until you decide that you're tired of experiencing it. And then it's like, oh, but did you realize that there's actually something beyond that? And that's, if you're listening to that, that is where you are if you're not always already beyond that. So this is why connection is so important because there is no other. We are not an island. Okay? And so then this brings me to a last point that I want to share with you today about the thread of light of lineage. This shift of consciousness that we are going through right now in 2022 and beyond. This shift of consciousness is not Beyond truth, it is truth. And therefore, the lineages of light, because that's what a lineage is. It's a thread of light that has been held, a thread of truth that has been held in its integrity. And I use that word literally, integrity, from generation to generation. Stemming back to beyond the distortion. It's come from the truth and it's held in its integrity through incredible states of ignorance in the collective, incredible states of destruction in the collective and is still true today. And I feel that this is where when we start really understanding Vedanta and Tantra, Tantra does not mean taking your clothes off and having sex with anybody you want. Tantra, Tanoti and Triyati are the root words of Tantra which means expansion and liberation of consciousness. Expansion and liberation of consciousness. That's what Tantra means. Tanoti and Triyati. Tantra. So when you actually start to understand these philosophies you realize that the path to use our present moment to leap forward in consciousness is actually booned, is actually uh, propelled forward by reaching back into the lineage of light. Because it's already there, which means it's already here, which means that you are already there. So this is why... uh, The lineage of light and embodying your human potential is so important because there is a frequency shift happening on earth in Gaia, in us. That is changing worlds. But you're not alone because there is no other. And you do not have to figure it out. It is already there. Sending a prayer up, in, towards your higher self. The jiva atma, if you're identified with this sensorial experience. Atma, if you're connected to the jiva atma. Take a step back from wherever you are. Wherever you are is perfection in this moment. And then taking a step back and witnessing where you have been. And from that place, sending up a, a prayer, a, a, a beam of intention that says, I'm ready, where is the we? So I hope you've enjoyed this. I'm very excited to share with you this first season of, of Consciousness and Connection podcast. It's really a team effort. I'd love to thank everybody that's connected with Niwas Ashram, everybody that's connected to our lineage, the masters, the teachers, the inspirers, the um, this is, this is it. This is what we came for. Here we go. The one that I am.
1: Thank you for joining us in our consciousness and connection podcast. If you liked this episode, please follow us, rate and share it. We would love to hear what inspired you. And if you have any questions or topics you would like for us to explore, please connect through our website at ishtadevniwas.ca. The link is in the podcast show notes. Also, if you would like a daily dose of connection and raising of your frequency, join us on Life with a Why. It's our online community. The link is also in the show notes. When you sign up, you will receive one week for free. And don't forget, soften and expand.